0: This is a bonus episode of Women Taking the Lead with Jody Flynn and Mary Teresa Tringale. When I say that, I'm saying don't
1: book a keynote speaker before you've taken these steps. Don't book your venue before you've taken these steps. Don't start selling tickets until you've taken these steps. You have to do this foundational work first because it will help you decide every other thing that you need to do.
0: Hello, my name is Jody Flynn and welcome to Women Taking the Lead, where we are all about creating blasts of inspiration to help you overcome self-doubt so you can lead with confidence, integrity, and a sense of humor. Head over to womentakingthelead.com to join the community and get the resources to support you on your leadership journey. Now, your future awaits, so let's get started. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Women Taking the Lead podcast. I am your host, Jody Flynn, and today I have a guest for you um, from my own community who is an expert at producing live events. So we've been doing a series on workshops, and yes, this also includes workshops, but can include everything from a family gathering, to a weekly meeting you conduct in your workplace, to putting on a live event for well over a thousand people or more. I was very excited to bring Mary Teresa Tringale on the Women Taking the Lead podcast, but here's the thing, (laughs) she's so good at this and her system is so robust and covers all the things you need in order to have a very successful Event uh, that her walking through her system, even just giving the overview, took us through well over an hour. And that is not the typical length of the Women Taking the Lead podcast. So, what I have done is split the conversation into two separate episodes. So, she has a seven step system. This first episode is going to take you through four of those steps. And the next episode, which will be coming out in just about a month, uh, will take you through the last three. However, don't be alarmed because these first four steps may take you a little while to do and you may need to get some help with them, but it's all good. And at the end of this episode, I'm going to go over an offer that Mary made at the very end of our conversation. So you'll hear her talk through it in next month's episode, but I'm going to give you an overview of it at the end of this episode. So you can take advantage of it right away. If that makes sense for you. Without further ado, Hello, everyone, and thank you for joining me. I am here with Mary Teresa Tringale, as she also goes by Mary or MT. I typically refer to her as Mary, so that's how I'll be addressing her going forward during this interview. But I wanted to introduce Mary to you. We originally met through our involvement in the Maine Women's Conference. She joined really to help out. She was going to be co-chair of the Logistics Committee and quickly found herself as president of the <laughs> Maine Women's Conference, which was not what she originally signed up for. But again, looking back in retrospect, she was the perfect person for the job. And, and a big reason why I invited her to be on this podcast is because she is an expert on producing events. I have done a couple of episodes on workshops. I originally in October gave you an overview of workshops and the different kinds of workshops and how to really deliver high quality workshops. And then I got into the nitty gritty of you know how to deliver workshops that you're hired for. So a company is basically producing the workshop and they want you to come in and deliver the content. But I don't have the same expertise Mary has in terms of how to produce a workshop that you on your own. So you're a business owner or um, you're involved in an organization and you are now tasked with the job of putting on an event. Um, I've done it before, but Mary was actually one of the people who like helped me out and gave me some tips to make sure my event was successful. So I couldn't think of anyone better to bring on on. And Mary, before we really dive into the episode, tell everyone a little bit more about you and what you have going on.
1: Sure. So um, I actually, I guess my background of where I became an events specialist, if you will. <laughs> um, I actually really enjoy... I My mission statement is that I believe experiences change lives. And so I really approach events from that perspective, that events are experiences. And I heard the other day, somebody said that 2020 is the year for experiential marketing or an experiential economy, that this is the year that if you are thinking about doing events, in-person events, this is the year that it's really going to explode for people people, which made me really excited. So, but it goes back to my days. If I was to think about my earliest experiences with when I started seeing that events or experiences can change lives, it goes back to camping trips with my friends and family and ski weekends that we would have. And it wasn't because we were putting on a big elaborate experience, but it was that we were having a unique experience with all different types of people. There was some sort of content that was, you know, cat, that was rolled into that day, whether that was that we were all skiing together or having dinner together or um, toasting marshmallows together, whatever it was, we were having these little mini experiences that likely we never would have ever again in that environment together with the same people. And when I started realizing that that's actually the magic pieces that that when you put those pieces together, they create something that will change people's lives forever. That's when I started seeing the possibilities of how you can implement that into your business. So my experience or my love for experiences. started back in college when um, I started seeing that through my marketing degree, I could create events for companies. But I actually started with the wedding industry. um, And I thought that that's what my future was. I wanted to be a wedding planner. And I quickly decided that that's not what I wanted to do after doing quite a few weddings. But the other thing was that I did an internship at Sony Pictures Television in LA. And I got to work on their events team. And I got to see the possibility of creating unique experiences and then through that I went when I went to New York I started working in marketing for publishing for magazines and through those experiences I learned about how to align your content with, um, advertisers and their messaging and their objectives and create experiential marketing around that. So we would create red carpet events or we would create, um, on the road caravans that would go to all these different locations, kind of spreading the words for a different for not just about our magazine, but also about the advertiser products as well. And the content. And then, and they were always unique experiences that the idea was, especially when we worked on these sales meetings. So the sales meetings is what you might see as a retreat or something. That's It's an intimate experience, but it's an opportunity for people to break open. It's an opportunity for people to get some sort of training. Um, and in the magazine industry in New York City, it's all about magazines one-upping each other on what kind of an experience they can provide for their team. And so we were always challenged to create an op- create a piece of that puzzle that was so unique that they likely would never experience again and that they would be able to talk about for years to come. And because I learned about that approach, um, it, it really just shaped my whole future about how I approach events, um, for everything that I do. Even when I moved up here to Maine, how we approached the Maine women's conference was from the beginning. It was all about creating something new for our community that they had never experienced before. And, and the work that I do now, which is, um, I'm a full time employee at Winter Kids, which is an awesome organization here in Maine that's all about getting kids outside and active in the wintertime. But my job is to create events and fundraising opportunities for people that will help us raise the money through sponsorships and fundraising for that programming. So my challenge each year is to improve our events in a way that makes people want to come back for more or to make people feel like they're appreciated and that when they show up to our event and they give us everything that they have, that we do appreciate all their hard work and fundraising, but also the fact that they're there and they're raising awareness for our organization. So I get to approach these events with how can I make it super special? How can I make it an experience they'll remember forever and something super unique that breaks them open in some way that will change their life for the future? And then on the side, the business that I am I'm in the process of creating and that I hope is my future in a bigger way is that I'm helping coaches, entrepreneurs, organizations create experiences that will change lives for their audiences. So whether it's a workshop or a retreat or the big conference like the Mean Women's Conference, I know that I have the framework that will set them up for success. Um, And I, I love teaching people how to create that experience for their audience and to set themselves up for success so that people will come back for the next one or that this is actually a piece of their business that will elevate their business um, or for it's a sustainable um, arm of their business for years to come that will eventually do whatever they want it to do, whether that's, you know, generate profit or just give their audience a really amazing experience that makes their audience want to come back and buy from them for more. Mm -hmm. Right. So, um, that's where I'm at right now. And a little bit of background of how I got to where I am today.
0: Yes. It's, a, um, it's like a little overwhelming hearing everything you've done all at once, but again, showcases like why you were the perfect person for me to say, hey, I want my audience <laughs> yeah. to know more about how they can produce their own workshops or their own events. You're the woman for the job. Yeah. Like, definitely coming in. And I also want to position everyone to get the most value out of this episode because there's a diverse audience um, that the Women Taking the Lead podcast um, attracts and draws in. And everyone's in a different place. And, you know, I know for some of you listening, you're like, oh, she's for business owners and entrepreneurs and people high up in organizations who are planning these big events. Yes, that's the focus of her business, but there's value to be had no matter what you do or where you're. Coming from, so I want you listening um, to what Mary has to offer you, knowing that you know, even if you're planning a meeting. Uh, An employee appreciation event or a retreat whether it's a board retreat or an organizational retreat You might be involved in a nonprofit or an association and you have to put together events Mary has something to offer all of you So definitely listen from that place of there. There's something to be gained She's got a lot of wisdom to give and if something doesn't apply (coughs) put it aside if it does you know take it it's yours and mary i know you have um kind of some steps that you take your clients through when they are planning these events and you know we can one of the first mistakes we can often make is putting the cart before the horse and your system is designed to help people you know take the first step before they go to the second step before they go to the third step so so if you don't mind, kind of walk us... I'd like to spend the remainder of this episode with you walking us through your system and what that could look like.
1: Sure. And just to reiterate, like you said, this is this is a system that will work if you are having a four-hour board meeting with 10 people or a two-day retreat with 25 people or a multi-day conference for a thousand people. The, the, the steps are still the same because the end goal is still the same. You want to clearly communicate what the event is all about. You want people to sign up and know what they're signing up for. Um, and you want it to ultimately meet your goals your business goals mm-hmm. how is this helping your business goals so when you take these steps if it and when you say the cart before the horse when I say that I'm saying don't book a keynote speaker before you've taken these steps don't book your venue before you've taken these steps don't start selling tickets until you've taken these steps you have to do this foundational work first because it will, help you decide every other thing that you need to do. So it's a seven step process. And just so everybody out there knows, um, this is a process that I can, I walk through with my clients when I work with them. And so, but I'm, I love talking about it. So I, if anybody has any questions about anything here, we'll talk later about how you can get in touch with me, but it is no matter what size event you're doing, this is relevant. So if you have a question about anything that I say about how it can apply to your smaller event or your larger event, just send me an email or message me on Facebook or I love connecting with people. So just we'll get, we'll have that information later. So The first two steps that I want you to take before you do anything else is establishing a mission statement and establishing your vision. And Jody, you'll remember these are the first two things that we had to do, or we had to kind of take some steps back before we started talking about keynote speakers, before we started even figuring out our branding, because we had to, as an organization, understand where we were starting from, from the beginning. And the reason that I say you need to start with your mission statement is because I have to be able to tell everybody, hey, I'm working on this event and it is to do what? Right? So if I start telling you and I go on for 30 minutes about what I want the event to be, I've, as the recipient of that message, I've heard a hundred different ideas of what this event could be. But when you work on establishing a mission statement you're you're basically working with your why of why you're creating the event to create a promise to the audience about what it is that the event is going to do your mission statement is essentially that promise that you have to deliver on when you actually execute the event so you want to make sure that you work through that process to feel really confident about it so that when you're talking to people you are super energized. You're super excited about it. And they hear the message. If you're not really confident in what you're saying, and you're kind of mixing it up a little bit, and you say one thing to one person, and then you change the mission statement and say it to somebody else, then you're not confident in what you're saying. And everybody around you is not going to be confident. And nobody's ever going to really know what the event is about. Mm-hmm. So if you take that time to really work through that mission statement, and I say one to two sentences that really tells you what your what people are showing up to do, what they're going to learn, or are they going to be inspired? Are they going to be empowered? Mm-hmm. Um, and w- to do what? To like take on new assuming roles in their community. Like we right. have part of our mission statement. And when you create that really simple, what I'll call an elevator pitch, this event is a one-day event that's going to and our mission is to do this, then people understand it. And the other thing that you want, the other reason why I'm so adamant about it being one to do the sentences that you can quickly rattle off and that you're feeling super confident about it is because when you tell somebody, you want them to be able to repeat that to somebody else. And that's how the message, the word starts to get out about your event. That's a little bit of grassroots marketing is peer to peer. People are going to, Be talking about your event. And if they're not able to articulate what your event is all about to somebody else, then
0: you've already lost that
1: opportunity for that clear messaging. Correct me if
0: I'm wrong. The mission statement is basically summing up what you want people to walk away with from attending your event and how you're going to do it, right? So the how might be we're going to provide tools and training for quilters, you know, to mm-hmm. get their products up on Etsy, right? That's right. Like, so their, their away is they'll be able to post their products up on Etsy, but how you're going to do it is give them the training and the tools and the hands-on experience to then be able to go forward. So it could be as basic as that, but what a clear message about yeah. who wants to That's attend, right. what they're going to get from it and what they'll be able to do after they leave. Exactly. And
1: then, um, and that does kind of tie to your vision too. You can start talking about your vision. So the vision is the next piece of the puzzle where you work through and you kind of see what your ideal day would look like on your first event. So is it, this is where you literally will sit down and have a visualization, um, exercise. So you decide how many people do you really want there? What do you want your venue to look like? what time of year do you want it? Where do you want the event to happen? And you just kind of need to work through what your ideal vision looks like, because it's going to impact a lot of other decisions that you make along the way, including your budget. One thing I wanted to just go back and mention about the mission statement, once you establish that mission statement, it's also going to kind of be your foundation for all of your marketing communications moving forward. So any advertisements that you might do, any flyers you might do, any social media posts that you might do, it all starts with that mission statement. And then you can always grow whatever your communications are from there. But if everything doesn't go back to that mission statement, then you're kind of communicating all these different messages that have no foundation or no anchor. So then once you start moving back over to the vision, once you start working through all of those ideal pieces of your ideal vision, not worrying about a budget right away, that's when you can understand truly what it is that you want. So just as an example, when we were trying to get our board on the same page with the Maine Women's Conference, there were some people who thought that this was going to be a a 5,000-person event and some people who thought it was going to be a 500-person event. The number, the foundational answer to that is we have to understand if this is a five person, 500 person event or 5,000 person event, because it affects our budget. It affects what kind of income we have to do. We have to, um, to consider it or to go after it affects what kind of location we're hoping to have the event at It affects how many speakers we have to how are we going to serve all of those people? So it's really important because it, so even if your event is 10 people versus 100 people or 10 people versus 50 people The number one thing that you you have to understand what that number is before you go look at a venue But more important than that you need to understand what that number is before you put a budget together because you can't go look at a venue without understanding your budget. Mm-hmm. But that vision is going to really, it's going to kind of lead you towards all of these other questions that you're going to have later. So I've had clients say, Well, what do you think about me bringing in a panel discussion? And I'll say, Well, what is that part of your vision? That your panel discussion is part of your vision? Because when we step back and look at what your vision was, you wanted to be the facilitator for the day. So are you changing your vision or does that. And the reason that you want to make sure that you are always. Coming, kind of coming back to this foundation, this foundation of a vision that you started with is because you want to be really excited about what you're talking about. If that panel discussion wasn't even something that you thought about when you went through the visualization um, exercise, but all of a sudden, you're super jazzed about it because these people who can be on it are are part of your mission statement, then great. But if it's like, well, I just feel like I should have a panel discussion because that's what other people have at their events. It's not part of your original vision. So you don't have to do anything you don't want to, it's your event, but always go back to that vision that you had at the beginning. And So I I had another client that was thinking, I really want this one particular space in New York City that really, it's just so beautiful. It gets me so excited, but I guess I could go look in New Jersey or Dumbo for something cheaper. And I said, well, how are you going to show up when it comes time to promote that event and that space? Are you going to be really excited about promoting your event if it's at a space you're not very jazzed about? Well, then I think you need to go back to your vision and make sure that we have the budget plan that accommodates and can support your original vision because you're not going to be excited about it and nobody's going to want to show up if you don't stick with your vision.
0: We're going to step away from all the good information that Mary is giving us for a moment to consider if you'd like to boost your productivity this year. I've made it no secret that I love TextExpander for making my life easier in creating emails, proposals, filling out forms, etc. You can unlock your productivity with TextExpander. There's hands down. And here are some of the many things you can do when you have TextExpander in your toolbox. You can manage everything you type repetitively. So those could be email addresses, phone numbers, you know, common responses you have to questions you get via email or messenger, and so much more. And Text Expander works everywhere you type, like word processors, email and messaging apps, and online forums. Typically, if if it's on a computer, you can use Text Expander there. You can customize your snippets with fill-in fields and pop-up lists as well. And if you need to manage snippets for your company, you can check out TextExpander for Teams. Now, TextExpander is available for Mac OS, Windows, Chrome, iPhone, and iPad. And if your job or your life requires you to be on your computer constantly, you're going to want to at least try out Text Expander. So to do that, visit texexpander.com forward slash podcast and select women taking the lead from the drop down menu for 20% off your first year. Again, for that 20% off your first year, visit texexpander.com forward slash podcast and select women taking the lead from the drop down menu. Okay. Okay. Let's get back to Mary and all the good information she's giving us.
1: So you establish your mission and establish your vision. That's step one and two. Then I like to create these belief statements, which is what we created with um, the main Women's Conference. But I, I just feel that they're so powerful. It just, they complement your m- mission and they complement your vision so well, it kind of ties everything together. And it's a, just another piece that you can incorporate in marketing and you can incorporate when you're just talking to people about your event. But it's, I think, a really important step just to get you kind of this really solid foundation of information to people and add really good jumping off point. So the next, and those belief statements are kind of like what, for example, for main women's conference, we believe that events can change lives. Mm-hmm. We believe that every woman is a leader. So these, these belief statements really help us decide who we're going to have as keynote speakers, who we're going to bring in as workshops, how we're going to lay out the day, how we're going to, um, uh, just kind of approach every decision that we make throughout the conference planning process.
0: Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, it, and I'll add to Mary, it also impacts our brand identity as well, like how we communicate. I know there's the official term marketing, but when I just bring it down to basics of like sometimes I'm having a coffee date with somebody and talking about the main Women's Conference and our mission, our vision, and our we believe statements are such a part of that conversation. It impacts How I think of you know I'll put in air quotes us as the main women's conference and how we approach the world and that I know even had an impact in a recent board discussion when we were talking about sponsorship packages you know what we offer for package and I know you're going to get there eventually but it, it. drills down into every little piece of the organization and the event that you you take a step back and go well is this good for us based on our mission our vision and our we believe right. statements it is is it in alignment with us and like I could just see that this had a big impact on the room, Mm -hmm. you know, and we felt it and it made it easier to make the decisions that we made because we were like, okay, let's go back to who (laughs) we are and how we present ourselves to the world. So yeah, yeah, take it. Yeah.
1: (laughs) Yeah. And I think just another example is when we're discussing who the keynote speaker is going to be, that we always, we are always going back to these belief statements, the mission and our vision, every decision you make moving forward, even even the business goals step, which is next for me, it goes back to your mission, vision, and belief statements. That's why I'm so passionate, that those are the steps you have to have to take before you do anything, 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 anything else. Mm-hmm. So even for those of you out there who are listening, who are just like, well, I'm not doing an event in the next couple months or even a year. This is a great little exercise for you to do. If you weren't wanted to do an event, if you know, in three to five years, this is just a great place for you to start. And if you don't, can't get through those first two steps, no problem. Don't do an event. Don't do it until you're you can sit down and do those first couple of steps because if you can't, then you're just wasting your time and you're wasting time of the people who um, are going to come to your event. So,
0: does oh, that and make, I was yeah. I was just thinking there because like at the time we're recording this episode, we're just coming out of the holidays. I'm even thinking. Those three steps are perfect, even if you're just planning a family get-together. Yeah. Like, what is the mission of this family get-together? Like, what it's is true. the outcome we're looking for? How do I visualize people interacting with each other? And what experience do I want them to have while they're here? You know, and what do I believe? So true. You know, it's yeah. like, it is like very basic. And I even, you know, facilitated like meetings for six people who were on my team in corporate. Like, if I had done this work before those meetings, the meetings would have been more productive and more enjoyable. I yeah. mean, it's not that they were horrible. There probably were some horrible ones, but like just taking this approach of like, almost like see, having the end in mind, you yeah. know, so that everything you do creates an experience and allows people to get done what they need to get done and do what they want to do and and ultimately gain from the experience what they want to gain.
1: Yeah, and I would say you know this is also important. I had a call with um, a client the other day, and she didn't. She said to me, "I don't need. I don't need to work through. I have my mission statement and my vision, and blah 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 blah." What I want help with is these other things: sponsorship, da 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 And then when we got to the point that she wanted me to look at her webpage, the landing page for the event, um, and she didn't have a clear m- mission statement at the very top that was clear, like, I'm here. This is a workshop that's going to do this for you to walk away with this. She was like, okay, well, you know what? Maybe I need to work through this mission statement because I'm not the expert in this. And and I said, okay. And it took us, I mean, we spent about 30 to 45 minutes working through coming to a place of a mission statement that she was super psyched about, that was super easy and simple for her to repeat to people. And that was so clear that when you showed up and you saw that, you knew exactly what you were signing up for. Mm -hmm. And so it's just like, you might think you have it, but if somebody, ask anybody else, just if, so, if you have a mission statement, share it with somebody that you trust and ask them, do you know what you're signing up for if I put this mission statement here? And the, if the answer is no, then you need to do some more work to simplify and to make it really powerful and clear what it is. Mm-hmm. Um, I think people are surprised that just like this whole process, people are surprised that this this work takes time. It takes mm-hmm. time, which is why I go back to make sure you take the time to do it right the first time. And
0: it's um, worth it. it's worth yeah. the time investment, just because from what you're describing and the experiences I have, if you do the work upfront with this stuff, the mission, the vision, the I believe that we believe statements, all the other decisions get a lot easier. And yeah, you, you're not right. going to have to like redo, you know, cause I've seen that happen too. Like, Oh, we need to rip it down and start over because we're off that's track. Right. You know, yeah. this is the way to get on track and stay on track. That's right. And, um,
1: and, and I just want to
0: say that, you know, if you are an individual
1: entrepreneur and you don't have a team and it's all about you and your vision, then they can be, I believe statements. Mm-hmm. But for us, like the main women's conference, we are a group of women, um, on our board. And so it is very important that we're we in our Mm -hmm. belief statements. Yes. Okay. So the next step, step number four is your business goals. So the reason why I say this is so important and that you don't do anything else before you figure out your business goals is because this is going to greatly impact your budget conversation that you have to have. Um, But you need to understand, is this workshop, is this board meeting, is this, what is the goal of this meeting? So when we do retreats with our board meeting, the goal at the end of the day is that we, from a business perspective, is we all, if we are a business as a nonprofit, is that we need to get us all on the same page, not only For our future strategic planning, but also as a group. So we utilize that time to kind of connect with each other on a more human level, besides us just going to our meetings and making decisions every single month. But also, we utilize that time to get on the same page for our vision for the future as well. But business goals from for if you are an entrepreneur and you're doing a workshop or a conference or a retreat, you want to understand why you're doing it in the first place. So for example, the way I see it, there's three different answers to this. Number one, you're doing a retreat or a workshop or an in-person event that is already part of a bigger program. So let's just say you have a big mastermind that people pay for and it's a six-month program and there is a one, there is one live retreat that you do. You're doing this retreat to serve people who are already your clients. You're not looking to upsell them likely unless you're con- you're doing at the end of that mastermind and you want to continue enrolling them for a bigger program. Um, but you're, so basically nobody's buying a ticket. You're not looking to make any money off of this. You're strictly doing this event to serve the people who are already part of your, who are already clients, who are already part of your kind of your world. And you just want to really just deliver that, kind of value. Your budget is basically whatever you want it to be. And it likely will come from the money that they've already paid you for the mastermind. So you just have to keep that in mind when you start putting that budget together. So it's kind of like, well, what am I willing to give up from the money that I've brought in from this mastermind? And when you think about that, it's actually good for you to consider this step. At the beginning, when you're starting to price out your mastermind and start selling it, you want to make sure that you price out your mastermind accordingly so that there's money in there to pay for your retreat. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. Yes. Okay. So, the second piece is that you want to do an event that you want to get as many people there as possible. And um, the idea is that you are going to be selling, you're going to be making your money off of selling a bigger program. So if that's the case, this, this changes your marketing approach for how you get people in there. It'll change your ticketing approach for how much your tickets are going to be. And it's going to change your content approach because it's going to change how like kind of content or it's going to, um, kind of direct the kind of content that you're going to have at the event. So when I say your marketing approach is you want to get, if your goal is to sell ten. $5,000 $5,000 programs at the end of your event, you want to make sure you have plenty of opportunities in the room for people, the, plenty of people in the room who are opportunities to buy that product. So mm-hmm. y- if your goal is to sell 10 of these items, you can't have 12 people in the room. Right. You've got to have like a hundred or a two, hundred. That's, what I, that's <laughs> right. So you want to make sure. So in that approach. You're ticketing because your ideal, you want to get as many people in that room as possible. So you don't want to have, or in my experience, in my um, suggestion and my advice, is that you shouldn't be charging $99 or depending on what your community, what their threshold is, Likely because you want them spending more money when they arrive, you a forty nine dollar ticket may be more appropriate, or a fifty nine dollar ticket may be more appropriate, or maybe you set it up that it's two for one at ninety nine dollars, or two for one at one ninety nine. It's just you. Your goal is to get as many people in that room as possible. Yes, your goal is also to get the right people in that room as possible. I was going to say, you have but to the qualify
0: next, them as well. But That's yeah. why
1: the marketing approach is also going to be super important too, because you want to make sure that when you're talking to people, that you're marketing the right message to people to get the right people in the room. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's really important that you understand who exactly you want in there, but if you are marketing the right message and you make the ticket $49, it's going to be a no-brainer for these people to sign up to be in the room with you.
0: So, And um, you're providing and good content during your exactly. event or your workshop. Like, so you exactly. want to, and ultimately um, you probably were already going to say this, Mary, but it's right there for me to say, like, if you're looking to sell a $5,000 program, this workshop should be a stepping stone. To getting right. into it, like it should be that this next product is like the natural next step for people to take what they got in the workshop and then put it into action or take it to the next level. So it's very strategic in how you do this, yes. right? And so, yeah, and it's but that's why
1: it you have to figure this out before you even take that. Before you do anything else, yes, right? Because you need to understand. I have to be super strategic with every single piece because I need a hundred people in the room who are potential targets for this bigger product. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't want a hundred people. So I had a past client who, when we started planning the event, she her business was going in one direction, but by the time we actually held the event, it was in going in a completely different direction. So she had a hundred people in the room who wouldn't be the right audience for her new product. Mm. And so she had this event and it was amazing and she did not regret it at all. She needed to have the event to see that that wasn't the the part Bring of Bring it me. full circle. Yeah. That's right. And and she knew that at, when at the end of the day when we talked about her, you know, that upsell, she wasn't even upset that she didn't upsell anybody. I mean, she had 200 people in the room. None of them bought the right that product because none of them were the right audience member for her. Mm -hmm. So, um, but she was, she wasn't upset because she approached this event from a totally different perspective. But if we had done that work, or at least we know that that's an important piece of the puzzle for her moving forward is to understand why she's doing the event in the first place Mm -hmm. and to stick with it throughout the entire planning process. Um, And then the third reason I see is actually why we do our main women's conference is that the conference or your event is something that you see is going to be a sustainable piece of your business for years to come. And you're hoping that it eventually becomes its own profit driver, that it becomes just another piece of your marketing mix for your business. just like um, It's a content creation piece. And so it's kind of like just like a podcast is or a blog blog is or your YouTube channel, your event is just another opportunity for people to receive value from you. And so that's a whole different approach, wouldn't you say, than what we just talked about?
0: Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And in, in full disclosure, uh, the Maine Women's Conference is a passion project for a lot of us. And, you know, we became involved in it because we saw a need and we wanted to provide that need to the community. Um, so we did the work. And our first year, we barely broke even. Like we just, you know, like dollars and cents made it over the finish line. But we were all like, three cheers and celebrating popping champagne because that was a success for us. Like we weren't looking to make a big profit that first year. Like right. it was a building year, you know, and eventually we all, you know, we all have this vision of the main Women's Conference. It is a nonprofit organization growing and delivering more services and, and, and making more money so that we can provide more and build more and that sort of thing. But you're yeah. exactly right. It's, it's not dissimilar from a, for profit business but it it does have a different feel to it
1: yeah and so the just to back up from that is when we approached when we a took the time to do it right the first time because mm-hmm. it took us a little um mm, well, over two years from the first time that we started planning. But when we moved our date from September to the following May, that was so that we could truly take the time to do it right because we all agreed that our vision was this was not a one and done. This was an event that would be sustainable over time and that would be an annual event that eventually made enough money so that we could put additional programming and the organization as a whole could grow and grow so our approach to the event itself with our budgeting with our marketing with everything that we did was about the ideal situation was that we would cover our costs mm-hmm. and the and it's it's about doing it right the first time so we made sure that we had keynote speakers that didn't blow our budget but still spoke to that mission and that vision that we had at the beginning. And we far, took the time to make sure that our workshops spoke to our mission and our vision. And because we weren't so eager to just get a million people in the room at $49, we made sure our ticket price reflected that value that we d- believed that we were delivering. And we did not back down even when we were Able to sell out, right? Mm -hmm. So there's all these decisions that we made all along the way because for us it was never going to be a one and done thing. It was going to be we were setting ourselves up for the long haul, and that we we had this three to five year mission um, vision. And this is this is whether it's a nonprofit or this is you know you're an entrepreneur and it's part of your business. Mm -hmm. If you are looking at this event as in three to five years, it's going to be making me money because I'm going to be selling out and I'm going to have all these sponsors who want to be a part of it. And I'm going to have vendor village and et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. Then you just, it's, it's a completely different approach than how you're, you're approaching something that's going to bring you money. It could be the other approach. The one we just talked about could be one and done Yeah. because maybe you were like, you know what? I, that event is not for me. I don't want to sell Big huge programs. That is not how I want to run my business. I don't need to do events anymore. Mm -hmm. And you do one and done, and you're done. But this this approach is I'm coming into it understanding that I'm there may even be an investment from me at the get go, which there was an investment from all of us at the beginning. Mm -hmm. Not to mention our time. It's a hundred. We are a hundred percent volunteer, but we all had to commit personally, financially, to the start of that organization. And that's because we believed in it and it was a long-term goal for us. It just drove the way that we made decisions in that first year. And so for the business owner who might say that this is the right approach for them, you might start with, look, I'm willing to go $5,000 in debt for this event to do it right the first time so that maybe in year two or three, I sell out and I cover all my costs. So, or you can say, you know what, I'm not willing to go in debt at all for this event but I wanna get a budget that will cover all my costs and make sure I do it right. So how do we approach that? Mm -hmm. So that's why it's so important that you figure out which piece of this business goals step Mm -hmm. that
0: you fall under before you do the next step. Okay, I'm gonna put the pause on the conversation here so the episode doesn't go way, way long and it gives you some time to work through these first four steps before you get overwhelmed with, all of the steps, but I wanted to include the offer that Mary made at the end of this conversation because it is relevant to something we've already been discussing. Mary is offering a mission statement workshop. It would be 60 minutes to take a deep dive into why you are doing your event and giving you a launch point to create your belief statements and then all the marketing. Really, this is where you start to get excited about what you are trying to create and the experiences that you're going to create for your audience and your community. Now, Mary typically charges $649 for this workshop. However, for this community, she is going to offer it for $297. If you would like to take advantage of the savings, you can go to MaryTeresaTringale.com forward slash WTL mission. Now, it's an alphabet soup link. And so I am going to include this on the webpage on my site that will have all the links where you can find Mary and take advantage of this offer. So the um, webpage for this episode is found at womentakingthelead.com forward slash Mary. Pretty easy, womentakingthelead.com forward slash Mary. Now, this is also not a public offer. Mary is not promoting this opportunity to her community or in other communities. This is only available to those who are listening to this episode of Women Taking the Lead. So if you feel working with Mary to develop your mission statement is right for you, I encourage you to take action. All right. Thank you so much for listening. And as always, I hope this was a value to you and here's to your success. Thank you all for joining me on women taking the lead and to strengthen you on your own leadership journey. I'd like to send you off with a quote from Marianne Williamson. So here goes. Our deepest fear is not that we are inadequate. Our deepest fear is that we are powerful beyond measure. It is our light, not our darkness that most frightens us. We ask ourselves, who am I to be brilliant, gorgeous, talented, fabulous? Actually, who are you not to be? You are a child of God. Your playing small does not serve the world. There is nothing enlightened about shrinking so that other people won't feel insecure around you. We are all meant to shine as children do. We were born to make manifest the glory of God that is within us. It's not just in some of us, it's in everyone.